Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, it's Monday morning, um, busy day ahead. How you feeling? How you doing? I'm I'm rocking. I know you're tired. You've been you've the College Station, uh, San Antonio, San Antonio College Station back is a is a hell of a whirlwind for you. Yes, uh, like I said after the podcast yesterday, you know, got that up. Was able to take a nap, recharge a bit, and uh, you watched a little North Texas basketball last night. Watched watched some of it. Watched some of it. It was on Flow Hoops, just like LSU's oh, was. So, you, so did you have your account rolling? <laughs> I had the account rolling, so I guess the thirty dollars I had to spend on the LSU games were ended up being worth it. So, um, but yeah, watched 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 them a bit, um, and then got to you know recharge for today. Recharge for today. I still need to watch the LSU game versus Wofford but um obviously it's all hands on deck for football right now so was yeah. this a high school gym they were playing in are you asking LSU or North Texas yeah they LSU like LSU <laughs> looked these... for sure like it was a straight up high school gym yeah I mean all all of these tournaments in the Caymans Bahamas you know go down the list of the Caribbean um ones I mean LSU women's team I saw the highlights of those games <sighs> That those was in a middle school like, gym. Yeah, those looked even smaller. So I'm just like, all right, man, I guess, you know, have some fun. You know, it's about being in the, the beach and everything. But, yeah, the, the actual gyms are not quite uh, um, high level, high quality, I would say. But, hey, it's basketball. Gym's a gym. Go play. So, um, but, yeah, that's uh, what I was doing yesterday. So we're back on it today. Brian Kelly goes at 12 o'clock. We're recording this at 9.45 a.m. So we don't have answers to all of the, you know, maybe injury questions. But he did do a teleconference yesterday, so we got a little bit of clarity there. And, yeah, we got mailbag questions, Shay. Ready for it? Let's rock it. Um, I, he does very well at this. Bourbon and Cheerios got up at 5.20 a.m. to get the first questions in. Uh, that's just a grinder right there, to be Excellent. honest. Um, all right. Number one, he always asks a few, uh, but he mixes it up. They don't have to be uh, – he doesn't keep it team-related. He doesn't break the rules by making it recruiting-related, but yes. he likes to get in the uh, the off-topic questions, so we'll answer them. Uh, which matchup are you most looking forward to against Georgia? Matty B, it's SEC Championship Week, LSU versus Georgia, double-digit line, as everyone expected. Is there – I know you haven't dove into the film yet, but – do you think off top there is a matchup that you're watching? Well, coming off of the AM game, I mean, I feel like the most obvious matchup is Georgia's run game against LSU's run defense. It's McIntosh no for McIntosh for uh, Georgia's a heck of a back. They got, you know, obviously a good offensive line, obviously good backs, and uh, Stetson Bennett can move as well. So I think that's probably the most obvious and glaring matchup that I'll be looking looking into in the coming weeks looking back on i'll go back and watch the kentucky tape um and probably maybe the missouri tape see if they were able to stop the run or how they were able to slow them down a bit i i think it's definitely this week has to be stopping run how do you look um kind of putting the game into stetson bits again if you're putting the game into the hands of a guy who's just casually driven them to back-to-back seasons of right. near perfection and this year undefeated but um yeah, I'm with you. It's stopping the run for me, no doubt. Um, I will say this, boy, just an, a thought last night, Matty B, I was going through, I did a transfer portal article today, 
-hmm. How different are these two teams? LSU was up there with Southern Cal and Ole Miss in terms of the most teams, most transfers taken by a team. Uh, LSU had 16 transfers they took in the offseason. If you want to toss in like Greg Clayton, um, some guys like that who took preferred walk-on spots as transfers Trey from other programs. Trey Finneson, the kicker out of Northwestern, who's been a backup for them. Um, they were over 20. So yeah. more than 20 transfers. Georgia took zero. So this is a team that got gutted by the NFL draft, took no transfers, and managed to stabilize a roster through just recruiting high school guys, which – well, and I guess Juco guys, Stetson, uh, to come back to the team. But – yeah. wildly different places this that's where brian kelly wants to be which yes. is oh we don't even have to go to the portal and we can run off a 12-0 season two of the 16 guys maddie b that they brought in on scholarship transfers 12 started games this year and you can argue if, if you think the best player on offense and defense most impactful are jane daniels and mckay wingo they're two yeah. transfers yeah um, and not for nothing, Georgia lost, um, obviously, uh, Jermaine Burton, the receiver yeah. to Alabama. So it's like, you know, lost some drafts, lost some portals and, uh, here they are undefeated once again. I don't, obviously I don't think they're as good as last year's team. Um, but they are still the best team in the country to me by, by, by a margin. They are good. We shall see. Uh, we felt confident, uh, yesterday that LSU would make this a closer game. When we talked on the reaction pod, uh, we'll see if we keep that same energy all week or yeah. if we were just coming off the uh, the <laughs> letdown of an A&M. Um, Bourbon and Cheerios, again, do you think Les Miles is celebrating Oregon State erasing a 21-point fourth-quarter deficit despite not completing a pass in the fourth quarter? That was impressive. Did you get to see any of the game? I did uh, not. Oregon State, Oregon. Uh, Oregon completely blew it. It was very bad. I'll say every time I think Les Miles in Oregon State, I'll go before your time. My first year of college was 2004, mm. which was LSU-Oregon State was the first game. It was Jamarcus Russell versus Derek Anderson, and um, it poured raining. The game delayed forever. I'm sure a lot of people listening to the podcast were in the stadium that day. There were streakers before the game on the field. It was a complete – I don't know. It was just one of the wildest atmospheres I've seen uh lsu goes down golly nine nothing at half or something like that and uh ended up coming back alexis cerna for um for oregon state ended up winning the grows of that year but had missed some kicks in that game missed an extra point it was mayhem but that was probably still one of the most entertaining lsu games i've been to uh when jamarcus came in at the end and won the game for him long time ago don't see much Derek Anderson and Jamarcus anymore. So I figured I'd bring them up. Yeah. Um, three. Yeah. It's been a while. Uh, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Bonus. If you feel like it is Die Hard a Christmas movie, that's an age old debate. I say, of course it is. It happens around Christmas is a Christmas movie. What's your favorite Christmas movie? <laughs> favorite Christmas movie. Um, first one that comes to mind is always Elf. Um, that's Great probably. Choice the most fundamental and also because I like Will Ferrell. So that's probably the one that sticks out the most. Um, I'd have to think about it much deeper than that, but, and also Die Hard. Um, I, I'm good. See, I'm good either way, but I, I don't know. I don't know if the argument of because it happens during Christmas makes it a Christmas movie because Christmas movie, I feel like has to be about Christmas. 
Okay, so that's that's the debate. I say that if it happens around Christmas, you're good to go. So, <laughs> so if there's a Christmas tree in a movie somewhere, it's a Christmas movie. It's all I need. It's all I need. Um, I will go. This isn't sleeper, I don't think. You can't have a movie that has Vince Vaughn and Reese Witherspoon and John Favreau and Robert Duvall and John Voight and call it a sleeper, but Four Christmases is a great movie and very funny. I can laugh yeah. through that whole one. So that yeah. that will be on my I need to move that to the the my list uh into the queue to to take yeah, in over the holidays if we ever get a break here. Um, all right. Thank you, Barbara and Cheerios. Hunter Fournette makes it very easy. Why is it not Friday yet? I guess most people probably feel like that this week, Matty B. Right. And you come off a, a tough loss to end the season. Hi, yeah, yeah. Gotta grind through this week, man. Gotta, grind <clears throat> Gotta get through it. to get to get to Atlanta and then go from there. This is the All right. this, is, this is where champions are made right here. Coming off a loss. This is this is on us, Shay. We gotta bounce back. All right, let's keep it rolling. I'm I'm gonna be good. I'll make it through the week. <clears throat> I have no problems. Yeah. Uh Iowa City Tiger fan. Um, he asserts here, uh, offense has three problems in his mind. <laughs> Jaden's a little gun shy, scheme doesn't create open looks, and receivers drop passes. How can you address these next season if you've got all the same personnel coming back? I think receiver drops is just got to work on. You got to put a jug machine, get more in all of those things that go with catching the football. I think the gun shy and the scheme probably play hand in hand to an extent. Yeah. Um, You've kind of maintained all along that you just, you call it gun shy. He calls it gun shy. I guess that is what it is. Right. Because you said all year, Jaden's just, Jaden doesn't want to be the one who loses the game for him. And because of that, he'll, be a little hesitant to let it rip sometimes. I think with his personnel question, and we'll see how Denbrock shuffles thing in the off in the offseason, but we both talked about this, any sort of explosive passing game, a downfield passing attack, um, vertical threats. So let me ask you this. Instead of saying, what do they have to do in the offseason? You watched a lot of Denbrock Cincinnati stuff when he got hired before we started the season. Did you ever see on film, were they going vertical? Were there explosive plays? Is that just something LSU's lacking, but he has in the playbook? I think I think he can do it more. He did it more at Cincinnati. I think the main thing, and I think it all ties together to a degree, is kind of just being comfortable. I feel like there were times in the A&M game, Jane could have thrown the ball, but it's him being, he has to be incredibly comfortable in that moment with pocket, with the route, with the concept. He has to be all hands on deck. He's not just going to throw the ball if it's not there for the most part. And while I I understand people seeing that as a negative, and it is a negative at times, I feel like his ability not to turn the ball over through the air is a clear strength. And also he has the legs to where 90% of the time, whenever he doesn't feel comfortable and looks to run, he can get positive yards. He's not yeah. taking stacks back there. He's not – um, I think that's the caveat to this argument, right? Or not, not this argument, just this, just talking about it because Iowa City's right. He's pointing out things that are yes. accurate. But if that were a pure pocket passer who just wouldn't throw the football, that yes. would be a major issue. The yeah. fact that he is up there with John Reese Plumley at UCF is the best, most productive dual threat quarterback. Maybe a little bit better when he is that way. But I'll also say this. If you feel if you feel that he's being that way, even at the end of the year, then the coaches see it, and that's on them to coach it out of him. And we saw Daniels make 
look, after the Bama game, there was a narrative out there, not by LSU people, a national perspective, looking at it from the outside, saying Jaden Daniels is the most improved quarterback in America this year. And you could put the totality of what he's done together and say it was better than what he did at Arizona State. And he started every year he was there for three straight seasons. So if this LSU staff coached him to get to this point, I would think a whole nother offseason coupled with him knowing not just what's on his team, but what an SEC schedule is like and what the rigors of it are like and what the speed of the game is like, um, that he'll be able to take some steps forward. I have no doubt about that. If he's coming back, which I presume he would be. Um, Trav James, how many more commits? Okay, well, that's a recruiting question. We'll answer that one tomorrow. Um, and well, he, just, he just wants to feel better. He's just trying to figure out what the staff is doing to stem the tide of these losses and get positive momentum back. I don't think it's the end of the world. They'll be fine. Um, positive momentum can come uh, in the next few weeks as you start to build towards locking down this class, and we'll see what happens in the SC Championship. Um, Tiger Ranch, defensive issues against AM scheme, defensive calls, or player execution, or both. Clearly, LSU didn't play well. AM played their best game of the season. No doubt. I mean, what he said at the end is correct, spot on. It's a massive reason they lost the game. AM played great and executed well and coached it up well and schemed it up well. And LSU did the opposite on every single one of those. And I guess for that, we talked about this yesterday on the pod, Maddie. Scheme, defensive calls, or player execution. According to Brian Kelly, it was both. It just thought the guys were flat, thought the coaches didn't ignite the flame on them or coach them up during the week like they should have. Whatever it was, kept saying, hey, look, we're all here. This is me, and it bleeds on body, and it looked like that. Yeah, you can – like the whole week, players and coaches can say – you know, how much talent AM has and how, you know, dangerous they are and everything like that. It's another thing. Which Kelly I mean, did. Yes. They said all the right things. And I, I, again, I said on the last podcast, I believe that this team did not overlook uh, um, Texas AM. The problem is when you haven't seen Texas AM play at that level the entire season, it's how, you know, how difficult is it to prepare for this team when you haven't seen them play at that level the entire season? Like, I went, I watched the Sam Houston State game and they weren't even this good. No, like, um, I will say this though from talking, and this was before the game, this was leading up to it from talking people to people, LSU sources inside the building. It was made clear that they were like, yo, we L- AM can play, they're like, their defense is good. They're like, I, mean, I know they've had guys out and all that, but yeah. through the film, you can see that they can put it together, they are good. They yeah. were just on the wrong side of every game they played yeah and so that that's what i'm saying is that like again you can prepare and i think even offensively with a chain and stewart and, and moose and you, you can see all these guys and all this talent and everything but they there are so many games where they have been very inconsistent very you know tough hard to read in my opinion and so as a coaching staff and as a team while you prepare for like you're preparing for the AM that you've seen all season. If you're preparing for that, that's not what you got. That's basically what I'm trying to say. And right. obviously that's not an excuse because they didn't change anything schematically. AM didn't. But still, that when you come out and get punched in the face like that repeatedly over and over by the run game, Devon A chain, and then defensive and then offensively, you're struggling. You're going four of eleven on third downs. It's not easy. And you're on the road. And I we said last podcast and we didn't think this team was talented enough to just go out there and you know, out talent AM by any means. So 
these things start happening and um it looks it looks bad but hey that's that's what happens sometimes in in football learning lesson i'm sure kelly will uh harp on that for sure um cairo tiger does the performance defensively look different if mason smith was in the middle i mean i'm sure it would look a little different i don't think they would have won i thought makai wingo actually had a pretty good game it'd be nice to have them both out there maybe and jay roy had a great game so probably your two interior guys ended up playing all right that game yeah i think i think the the depth was the biggest thing that was always the biggest no doubt no doubt Uh, when when he went down brian kelly immediately said our depth on the defensive line is kind of shaky, or at it's least suspect. on the interior. Yeah, it's very suspect. So on the interior, so that feel that's the big thing is. While I think they played well, Wingo and Roy, you know how good could they have played if Mason Smith is healthy and they're rotating those three in there? And obviously, I think Mason Smith is the best player um, on the def- on the defense, probably. So, yeah, I, I think maybe it looks better, but at the end of the day, you know, who knows. Golly, next year with – and if Jay Roy goes pro, but next year with Wingo and Mason Smith on that interior, basically putting Smith in for this point, which Roy's had a really – but still, you would think they're going to be really good. Um, let's see. Cairo Tiger asked again, will Jaden Daniels' injury force him to throw it more? I understand it's a high ankle sprain. To my knowledge, you can't deal with that in a week. He won't be his normal mobile self this game. I think Kelly said it was not a high ankle Correct. sprain. So we'll clarify that. Um, and with it not being a high ankle sprain, it seems that Kelly said on Sunday that the docs, the medical team looked at it. They feel good about it. Usually what Monday is kind of a walkthrough practice um, or at least kind of resetting the stage. So Tuesday he will be a full go is what Kelly said. And then they'll see as the week goes on uh, along. I, correct me if I'm wrong though. Jaden Daniels is a pretty tough dude. I mean, he has hobbled himself through a number of injuries this year, including this past game against a where he came back into the game at the end and kind of just <laughs> limped through it. I don't see any way, unless it was broken, that he's missing this game. Yeah, I, you read my mind. I was about to say the same exact thing. Jaden Daniels, if he, is on, if he is healthy enough to play, I can't see him being hesitant to run because of a bum ankle. Like, again, he is far too tough. He is a playmaker he's a gamer man he he's been awesome this year so i just think from a toughness and a leadership perspective unless again unless if he can't play i can't see him not looking to run so okay let's uh i agree with you uh grape swish uh curious how many games you think we win without jd5 i feel like without him we certainly wouldn't be in atlanta this saturday i agree uh, maybe a six to seven win team. Should I sneak into the UGA practice facility this week and pull a little espionage from BK? I'm only about six minutes away. Grape Swish in enemy territory in Athens with uh, do it with the question. He's yeah, go for it. And but don't give it to BK. Give it to the board. Bring it back. Yeah. And tell us what's going on. Definitely, definitely. Um, let's see. Uh, how many wins without uh, Jaden Daniels? So that that would assume what Garrett Nussmeyer or Walker Howard start and play the whole year. Um. Yeah, I agree. I think probably six, probably six wins. Probably. Or Miles Brennan stays. Or Miles Brennan stays. Yeah, okay. One of those three plays quarterback. Um, Here's I just think this behind offense, that O line. I mean, whew. yeah. And I mean, even if like even if we say the offensive line has has played fine, I don't. The they played fine lately, early. not in the beginning. Yeah, early in the season, like they probably don't be Mississippi State without his 120 rushing yards. Like, no. um, 
like Auburn, uh, I don't know, and uh, even like Alabama. He had the Alabama without him. Yeah, not being Alabama. So what? I'm yeah, I'm probably around six to six wins. I they mean, probably would I, have been about what Vegas expected, a six yeah. to seven win team. And I think that's what people have to understand when evaluating Jane Daniels is he's not perfect. He's not, you know, Bryce Williams. He's not CJ Stroud. He's not going to be in a uh, first top 10 pick in this year's draft or the next draft, but damn, he can play. He, he doesn't Bryce turn the Williams? ball over. Yeah. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's a playmaker. He keeps the team in games and he, he's, he's, he's a baller, man. So he's, he's been huge for them this year, especially with Denbrock as the OC. Uh, you dropped him, Bryce Williams in there. Obviously, you meant Young, right? Uh, Bryce Young, yes. Caleb Williams. Combine those two. Oh, you yeah. combined him. That's a super quarterback. I was trying to Did think it... of who the Williams was. No, no, I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. But yes, Bryce Young, Caleb you created Williams. created a, a Heisman <laughs> super quarterback. Uh, yeah, so, okay. Yeah, my fault. All right, what we got here? All right. Um, let's see. Next question. Iowa City, if we run it back, this is a 10-win team. What do they have to make it an 11- to 12-win team? Can they find a couple difference makers? I think just from an overall perspective, for me, it's so hard to win 9 or 10 games in the SEC routinely. And when you get there, you're a really stable program. So they'd have to play well again in a lot of spots. Like that was, I think that's kind of another thing that makes the A&M loss disappointing is because you could have got the 10 wins, gone to Atlanta with a little bit of at least kind of confidence that, hey, even if we lose, we're in a New Year's Six Bowl and it's a very successful season. I don't know, man. From Just predicting them to win 10 games a year and get to 11 and 12 is tough for me. You just you got to play perfect. That's what it yeah, is. I agree. Um, and I don't want – I don't want – dang, man, already saying this after year, after year one uh, – Winning 10 games should not be taken for granted here. I mean, at all, anywhere in the country, in the entire country. I know Alabama has started, has rolled off 10 win seasons since Nick Saban's got there. But even him, you know, look at him. He's like, you know, 10 wins. He said 10 wins was the goal this year. And look at all the talent on that team. Look at all the depth on that team. Look at who they have. They might have the one and two pick in the draft, you know. So, I, I don't want to take for granted winning nine, winning 10 games here. Uh, with that being said, to answer the question directly, what can they do to make it 11 and 12 win team next year? I think it has to be depth. I think they're going to have to hit on more portal guys, unfortunately. Like, no matter how good the recruiting class is that they bring in, it doesn't, it can't fill all the needs. I don't, I don't think of this team just. Um, from a starter perspective, I think you still need a couple more uh, transfers in that are going to make plays and you have to fill the depth of this team from top to bottom. So, um, and then you also got to, you know, get the window close games like they won this year, get the breaks they got. And uh, yeah, I just think there's, it's a long way to go to that before this team can win 12 games before they can go 12 and no, that's a, it's a lot. The Joe Burrow. Um, and then a yeah. lot of, Others yeah. get a Justin Jefferson, Mark Chase, exactly. and Clyde, and a, um, a bunch of starters on defense who are first-round picks, and it'll be fine. It's, it's very easy. Yeah. Um, but, no, not, it's tough to do. I'm with you. And for me, look, I, I'll go back to what I said at the start of the year. I was most worried about cornerback because they had to just take a bunch of transfers from yep. schools 
you know, the guys that weren't getting recruited at an LSU level out of high school and that were at the back end of their career. And all of those guys, especially if Makai Garner goes pro, are going to be gone. Seven Banks is the only one you get back, and he had a medical this year and never really even got to get on the field at corner. He only played in two games. He got hurt on special teams. So they're about to have to go corner again through the transfer portal just to be able to field a roster. So I don't know. You better. I think one big thing, Iowa City, I would say is you better hope, and you've seen it happen once, but that Brian Kelly can hit on that ratio of taking enough transfers that really help with depth and starting, which is what paid off this year. Um, Mojo Tiger, Josh Williams and Bernard Converse, will they be 100% against Georgia? Okay, so Kelly did touch on them. Josh Williams, LSU starting running back, he got banged up at the Arkansas game when he went off for a career high in that one and really saved him um, Mm -hmm. rushing-wise. But sat out UAB, dressed out and went in warm-ups for A&M but didn't play. Kelly said he should be good to go this weekend. Um, So that's good. You get a starting running back back. You liked what you saw to John Emery in that game. And then Bernard Converse, who's – Matty B, he's played corner, safety, a little bit of everything yeah. for him. Um, didn't play. Kelly then said afterwards he was in concussion protocol. We saw Brian Thomas get out of concussion protocol after about two games. So you would hope that you could get Converse back this week. But that's obviously when you've got a concussion, they're monitoring that as the week goes on. But they need them both. Yeah. I mean, without – Without Bernard Converse, you know, they had Jay Ward out there on the boundary and they had Sage Ryan in the nickel in those spots. And while, you know, I think they're both fine players in those spots, I think Jay Ward is much better at nickel and Sage Ryan is much better as kind of – Jay Ward's better at safety too, yeah. Yeah. So I I, I think it would be pretty big to have Bernard Converse back at 100%. I'm with you. Um, Utah Tiger-esque ESQ. How confident are you that LSU takes another step forward next year and hits 10 plus wins? Kind of just plays into what we were just talking about. Yeah. I'd have to see who all they lose and get There's before I do. can begin to think about that. Um, so, more yeah. of an offseason discussion, I guess. Yeah. Their schedule sets up easier next year. I do think that. Does it? I think so. You get Bama on the road. The thing well, is- yeah, there's some obvious road games, but you don't have, I don't think it'll be as. Tough of a who's schedule the, is this year. Who's the non-con last uh, next year? Do you know off the top of your head? If not, it's okay. No, no, I'll Google. I'll Google. We got time. Okay. Um, okay. Let's. Uh, well, they play Florida State in Orlando. Um, okay. Yeah. Let's see. Ooh, yeah, Here, be here's a, that's going to be a heck of a game. That's going to be like top ten almost, if uh, depending on what Florida State brings back. Here's your uh, schedule, and you can just hold it in your mind. I'll, I'll run through it quick, and you can kind of Go do ahead. the mental math. Everybody that's listening. Uh, open with Florida State and Orlando, grambling at home. So you played Southern first time HBCU. Now you get another one, um, grambling at home to open the season at Mississippi State versus Arkansas. That, so the Arkansas game goes way up from November to September. Um, then you're at Ole Miss at Missouri. So kind of an easy draw in terms of your rotating East schedule, at least you would hope. Mm-hmm. Uh, versus, versus Auburn, versus Army at Bama after the bye. Um, versus Florida, so the Florida game's in November, versus Georgia State, so much like UAB, you're getting a back-end uh, non-Power yeah. 5 school, and then A&M at home. So. That is easier. I was going to say, I was going to, my whole thing this year has been that they've gotten a lot of the tough games at home, and that's, that for that reason, I was like, okay. You and know, they've stunk on the road. Yeah, and they've been pretty bad on the road. So, like, I'm, I'm saying, imagine if they got, 
um, you know, one one of the games at home on the road, maybe like a Mississippi State on the road, would they have pulled that out? I don't know. But yeah, when you when you, when you put it that way, you got Missouri and Florida from the East. I mean, I expect Florida to be better, but it's a lot better than playing Tennessee. A lot better than playing Tennessee for sure. That's an sure. obvious uh, win in that department of the rotating schedule. Man. Um, and I don't want to say they, they stunk on the road because they obviously won at Auburn. They won at Florida. They've never done both those in a year. And then they won uh, at Arkansas as well. So, But it wasn't as pretty as it was at home, I don't think anybody would say. Yeah. Uh, um, wait, wait, my question ahead. was my question was going to be, um, I know the non-conference schedules are kind of set. Well, they are set far in advance. Um, do – do you expect it to be the same kind of thing? Well, we'll have to see what the SEC does when they change to nine games, I guess. But yeah, with Oklahoma, and Texas, whole... that'll be the big thing. Yeah. So actually, never mind. The question doesn't won't make sense because after next year, we'll have to see how it all goes. But I was going to ask how far, how much they were going to keep doing the basically three, you know, G five, FCS you yeah. know, teams, and then one good game, but. It's not going to matter after next year. I think two years from now is the Vegas opener against Southern Cal. Um, That's right. So at least you would guess Caleb Williams would not be in school uh, as a senior at that point. <laughs> so not sure. Or, or Bryce yeah. or Bryce Williams, super quarterback. Yeah, or himself. Bryce Williams too. You don't no. want both those guys on the schedule in one nope. year. No, you don't. Um, okay, wrapping up here. Two more questions, both from Raspberry Four. Uh, when discussion, Jaden, not throwing the ball, sometimes there's no receivers open. Is that a scheme problem or is it just a wide receiver problem? If it's a wide receiver problem, why isn't people talking about Cortez Hankton? He's the pass game coordinator and he's obviously a receivers coach. Um, that's a title to get more money. Maybe that's just a title to get more money. Wide receivers aren't getting open or dropping balls. How much of this is on Hankton? How much do you put on the position coach? Well, well I mean, okay, yes, Kayshawn obviously has not been – Vacation that we had expect to come in the year. I'm personally not putting on Cortez Hankton. I don't think there's anything Cortez Hankton could have done. I think Kayshawn, just in a broad stroke of his season, him coming back from the injury that bothered him entering the year. I remember talking to him right like a week before the season. He said he still was bothered by it. I think that kind of set the tone for the year. He wasn't comfortable. And then he tries coming back. He makes a couple plays here and there. But in this offense, it's not, it's not suited for Kayshawn. And that may be a, over, a big picture thing we have to look over the offseason is how can they be more explosive? How, they can, how can they utilize receivers more? Yes, but I, I don't put Kayshawn's struggles on Cortez Hankton. Um, I will say, and then even if you look at Cortez Hankton's room, I could argue you know he's probably getting the, a lot out of it for the most part. Uh, be, it, because this offense just doesn't feature a guy like Jack Besh much. It features Mason Taylor instead. So with all that being said, I mean, I just don't think Cortez Hankton, especially with the loss of Chris Hilton, which I think is kind of – it's not underrated, but he was the fastest receiver they had. No doubt. Pretty good margin. So look who is in the room and then get back to me. I just don't think Cortez Hankton is, is at fault for the passing struggles. And and we'll see. We you want more than a 10, 12 game, you know, scope of a new staff and where you can exactly pinpoint if it's on a staff member, if it's on a player, or whatever it might be. So we'll think about that more in the offseason. But no, Cortez hasn't been brought up a ton, obviously. And I just think that Denbrock and the staff will look at the totality of what they did this season and what they have coming back and how do you adjust from there. And that's what they get paid a lot of money to do, and they've been around a long time. So I'm certain they can do some self-scouting, and if we can see it, then they can see it. 
Uh, last question. Why does the team look flat in every road game? We kind of just hinted at this, but the only exception is the offense against Florida. I agree with him. It feels like they cannot get up for a game on their own without a home crowd. BJ said it's uh, BK said that it isn't his job to motivate that it isn't his job to motivate the guys for games. I don't know if I don't remember him saying that. Um, he said, yeah, he said that. Some okay, point. just I guess meaning that guys have to at some point be able to get themselves up for a game. Um, I I mean I per- personally I don't think people understand how hard it is to get up for every single game. I mean Georgia struggled with Kent State. Georgia struggled with Missouri. Georgia just struggled with Georgia Tech in the first half. Um, I don't think people understand how hard it is to expect the team to be up for every single game. And this team, like I said on the last podcast, talent-wise is not going to roll the ball out. That's what I think it is. I just don't think people understand that even if you have – like, again, unless Joe Burrow and that 2019 team are walking through that door, then, okay, yes, they're going to be up for every single game. And they don't even need to be up for every single game. Because, honestly, if you look back at the 2019 team, they blew everybody out. I guarantee you there were some games they weren't up for. But they just rolled the ball out and said, "All right, we're gonna go drop forty on on Ole Miss today." Like it's just easy for some teams, some teams that are great historically. Teams, normal teams, don't get up for every single game. Normal teams don't perform at a high level every single game. I'm sorry, that's just not how it works. I think it has a lot to do. This is not. This is a team with the talent of a six to seven win season. This is a team that overachieved that by three games. And if they would have beaten AM, it would have been four games. They are, were they the number five team in the country by ranking? Yes. And they deserved it. They won games. They beat Bama. They won. It's tough to Brian Kelly talks about this. He's experiencing his first sec season. And he says it every week, even when they win, it's tough to win in this conference. Every you, I mean, you get through one game, you got to turn right around. You, you beat Bama. You got to turn right around and go on the road to Arkansas and play in the cold at 11 a.m. against a team that you know will be physical. You know is not going to back down from you. That's not scared of the name on you know the, your jersey or your helmet. And that's every week. And for me, this is not. This was not a team that you look at and say, "Yep, that's a top five talent team in the country." No, they were at number five in the rankings at the end of the season, close to the end of the season. But they were nowhere near the fifth most talented team in college football. To be honest, they're not all that more talented than Ole Miss was or that State or some of these teams that just didn't win every game, that fell apart at the end. I mean, LSU didn't do that. They managed to stay the course, and because of that, they won a lot of close games. I think playing at home probably just gave them an extra boost, and that happens with a home crowd. It kind of is what it is. Yep. Yeah, this team was really fueled by the – the uh, the home crowd, which I think should be looked at as a positive. So um, no doubt, good good get for there and, this team uh, and, and get to screaming. We did get one up here by, uh, by you, Tiger twenty two. I don't know if oh, you I missed it. one. Did I miss one? I got yeah. You want me to take it? It's kind of a long read here. <laughs> uh, he's got see. two questions. Oh, by you, Tiger, okay. All right. Yes. Was there a reason the team came out flat against A and M? Big things ahead of them. They looked disinterested in playing Saturday night. Really torpedoed a chance, to, torpedoed a chance at a playoff, or at least a quality bowl game. We'll see if they can still get into a New Year's Six bowl. That would be great. Yeah. Um, I guess this kind of just plays into what we're saying. That's I just exactly think that they just came out flat, and I don't know if there's a rhyme or reason to it. But Kelly said in the press conference after you were there, he just said I could. I just started to sense it about 24 hours out as we go through walkthroughs and meetings that 
they just they were flat. They just didn't have that energy that they needed to be able to have to match what A&M was going to bring. Yeah, I mean, and even if uh, while sure, yeah, they came out flat or they were flat the whole game, sure, whatever. Uh, I think A&M playing at that level kind of, again, like I said earlier, I think, I don't want to say I caught them off guard, but it's not something <clears> you <throat> fully expect to when, when you play A&M. And as much as you want to tell yourself this team is capable of doing this, team is capable of doing this, when they come down the field and just march, you know, 12 plays, it takes six minutes off the clock right down your throat and then, um, you know, do that time and time again, I just feel like it's tough to overcome. So credit to A&M. They, they won the game and uh, kind of set the tone early in that. So I, I just uh, – <clears throat> no, I'm with you. I don't think they expected to, A&M to have that sort of effort, energy, execution, any of it, and it caught them off guard and just didn't work out for them. They didn't execute. Uh, how do you see this weekend playing out? Do you think they come back motivated this weekend? We both think they do. We talked about that yes. on the podcast yesterday that we think this will be a closer game than maybe the spreads indicate, largely because I do not think that Brian Kelly will let them – or, di- or this team and the leaders on the team will let them come out and put up a lackluster effort. Many times this year, we said this yesterday, Matty B, many times <clears throat> and not executed in a game or executed at a level that was perfect, but the energy was there and the effort was there. And that maybe happened to be enough. When you don't have either of those, you're not going to win. So I, I think the effort and the energy side of things will be there. Will the execution be there? I have no idea. Um, if by the grace of God we win this game, where do you think we project as far as bowl games? Well, if they win, I think they're in a New Year's Six. Um, so or if they win, they will be in a New Year's Six as an SEC champ. And even if they win, you would presume Georgia's still going to the playoffs, so that would probably yeah. be a Sugar Bowl. Um, gosh, you yeah. got to really hope for some chaos, I think, if they lose to still make a New Year's Six because no, yeah. then you would then you would actually be rooting for Bama to make the playoffs so that Tennessee yeah, but then, then Tennessee would be probably. The but then well, Tennessee would be in the Super ranked. Bowl, and then yeah. yeah, for sure. And then Cotton Bowl could choose at large teams, so maybe they would choose LSU in that scenario. Um, yeah. I don't That'd know if the Orange Bowls would play it in. Look at that one. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, but yeah, I think you, I, I almost feel like you have to win to get a New Year's Six Bowl. And if you don't win and you make a New Year's Six Bowl, it's probably because Bama's in the playoffs. So pick your poison with that one. Hmm. Um, okay, last question from Bayou Tiger. Uh, why is Daniel still so hesitant to throw it if he comes back next year and plays the same DCS region in the playoffs? We talked about his hesitancy to throw a few times already. And a lot of people asking just about next year and everything like that. I mean, I think people just want us to say, like, he's got to get better. Of course he does. Like, yeah. I mean, if he's playing the same as he was this year and you already needed a number of things to unfold to get into the playoffs and you didn't, yeah, then you're not probably going to get to the playoffs next year if it's all the exact same product from your quarterback. So, you would want him to take a step forward, which is what a season under his belt in the SEC and a full off season could do for him. I have no doubt about that. I, I think if if everyone here is going to complain about Daniels being hesitant to throw the football, I guarantee you Joe Sloan and Mike Denbrock and Brian Kelly ain't letting it. You know they're seeing it yeah. too. Yeah, no, it's um he'll he'll improve. I'm confident that I think he has a chance to be really really good next year as a college quarterback and. Uh, Kind of go from there, but he, hey, the way he played this year got them two wins away from the playoffs. So there you go. You know, Maybe if you can play a little I'm bit a, better, you get there. Oh, and that wasn't on him. If he wasn't there, as we said, they made a one six to seven games. So. 
<laughs> but yes, the uh, quarterback will always be under the microscope. Welcome to college football, certainly in the SEC at a big level. And that's perfectly fine. Daniels knows that. Um, all right. Good mailbag. We went that's long, but it was solid. Yep, Welcome to the championship week. Let's rock. Yep, that was good. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with the recruiting podcast. Shay and Billy uh, hold it down, as uh, y'all know, every Tuesday. Um, the reception on that's been great. We really appreciate um, y'all checking that podcast out. Um, but yeah, subscribe to the channel if you haven't already. Leave a like, comment, share, all that good stuff. Subscribe to the Bengal Tiger on thread. You get a hat for free, and it's $1. $1 for an entire year. And, um, yeah, I mean, Black Friday just came and went. I know, saw, you know, I know some sites out there did their 75% off deals. Good for them. But $1. Didn't, $1 I didn't see anybody do $1 for, for, for a year. So, yeah, $1 for a year. Come on now. And a hat. So, um, yeah, subscribe. Get a hat. Get on the board. Become Interact with us. We, we're on the board 24-7. Almost literally 24-7. So, um, but, yeah, we appreciate you all supporting us. And, uh, yeah, check out the podcast tomorrow. And we will see y'all in Atlanta.